A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Danae and I are super excited to talk about the fact that we have our first in-person retreat coming up this January, uh, the first week actually, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. It's going to be a stunner. This retreat is happening at Sivana Retreat, which is like, I could not be more excited for this. I know. It's so beautiful, so luxurious, and you know, I feel like we have been so hungry to come together in community for certainly over a year now. And, you know, we were really committed to like, we want to do this in a way that feels safe for everyone and in a way that we can really hold some therapeutic containing work, um, but also really create community in a way that all of us have been so hungry to feel it for so long now. Yeah. And if you guys are listening to the podcast, then you know what Danae and I are about, right? You know that we are all about getting in there, deep diving, getting beneath the surface. And so we're going to bring together, it's basically going to be a week of us bringing together all of the deepest, most integrative work that her and I do on a day-to-day basis, right? Mm. So we're going to be doing shadow work. We're going to be doing inner child work. We're going to be talking about the mother wound. We're going to be, you know, getting in and digging out old codependent relationship behaviors and patterns. I mean, there is so much that we are packing into this week. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that just, healing work. Ooh. And, you know, we're going to dive into masculine and feminine dynamics, which we're obsessed with. But, you know, to me, this is really going to be like us supporting you in leveling up, you not only your spiritual tools and your toolkit in general, but you know, how you want to enter 2022, right? Yeah. How can you learn to live from the most authentic 
place or the mm-hmm. most authentic space that you possibly can. That is really our hope to be able to give you the tools to do that in the best way that you can. Love it. This is from self-abandonment to inner belonging, the intensive, like you said, V, January 2nd through 7th in Carefree, Arizona. Join us. Yeah. It's on uh, my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats. So today we're talking to Erica and Erica is bringing us a meaty topic. Um, It sounds like what's really been coming up for you is some I mean, honestly, when I read it, it really does feel like a lot of kind of childhood wounds are being triggered and brought Mm -hmm. up in kind of current circumstances, right? So whether it's work stuff, whether it's romantic relationship stuff, um, you know, not being able to say no, maybe some caretaking happening, Mm -hmm. um, some fear of abandonment, that kind of stuff. So I'd love it if you would take us into like what you're kind of struggling with in the moment. Absolutely. I think you kind of nailed it when you said fear of abandonment, um, because last night, even something came up around that and seeing something that related to my mom passing away 10 years ago and how I think I've kept that fear of abandonment, not only with relationships and work and um, other areas of life that I'm in, but um, just seeing loss and not wanting to feel that hurt and that pain Mm. and that suffering again. Um, So definitely fear of abandonment is coming up for me. Um, self-sabotage in regards to, I heard um, something from uh, a business coach that I've been wanting to work with lately. And she said, sometimes self-sabotage comes up if um, you're trying to avoid doing the things you want to do that have the highest impact for your life. Mm -hmm. And I think she kind of um, really understood me right away because um, I don't know how to say no. <laughs> I have a big problem saying no. Um, I have a lot on my plate. I own my own business as a restaurant consultant. I'm a wine educator in Napa. I um, am, am involved in my church very, very heavily in all of the events and services with kids. Um, I'm a crisis care coach for a national um, hotline helping those that are suffering from anxiety, depression, um, any types of needs in that regard. And um, I'm very family oriented. So I have my hands in a lot of different areas and I, I definitely am a giver. Um, I give a lot of me. I was my mother's caretaker uh, before she passed away. So I feel like that kind of need to take care of um, is very hard for me to shut off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of uh, aligns with all the things that I do in my life. It's, I want to take care of people. I want to be of service to others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I'm having a hard time deciphering when is too much and when is not enough um, in terms of being of service to others. Erica, who takes care of you? Mm-hmm. Me. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one. Um, yeah, I'm... I live a few hours away from my family. I moved back here three years ago uh, when my father got sick and um, I, yeah, I live on my own. I, I'm dating someone now, um, but I'm definitely independent and the only one to take care of me. You know, when you were going through the list of things that you show up as, right, the different roles that you have, every one of them felt amazing and powerful and Mm -hmm. commendable even 
Um, and it felt a little like there was, um, not pride, like it's a bad thing, but it, it feels like there's a lot of pride in like, and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. Yeah. And I, I wonder, I mean, it, do you find that that is where your kind of sense of pride comes from is in being the caretaker, the one that, that, that gives care? That's a great question. I've never thought of it like that. Um, I just feel it my purpose is to be of service to others. So that's why I gravitate towards those kind of roles. But um, I've never thought of it in terms of pride because right now I'm feeling drained. Like yeah. my plate is overflowing and I want to get back to like three items on the plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's, I feel like right now I can't say that I'm prideful about everything that I'm doing because I don't feel like I'm doing everything well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I feel like I I love that you honed in on that B because I think that that is often when we are sort of the person who is always giving, always in service to others, always, you know, sometimes in, in some of these codependent dynamics of caretaking, I think that a lot of times we have a belief that our worth is in what we are able to do and be for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes there can be some, some challenging of that that we need to do, right? Like if I weren't in this role to this person, um, what would be my value to them? And would I be enough even if I weren't of service to this person, right? If I weren't showing up and doing in um, all of the things that I have done up to this point, do I believe that I within myself would be enough? Yeah, that's a good I feel like um, that's something I'm I'm almost tapping into because I've been considering saying no to some of the things I'm already obligated to or committed to, and um, I have been wondering like how will I be viewed? Um, mm-hmm. I know I will still be worthy of you know these people that I'm serving and the friendships and family and folks that I have in my life, but, um, I guess I'm just wondering how I will, will see it. Right. So it's like, there's this logical kind of cognitive knowing, mm-hmm. and then there's the actual full self sense of kind of knowing, right. Um, yeah. which is like, logically, I understand logically. I know that I still have worth, but do I like really feel that way? Right. Exactly. Um, and they, they can be very different sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think another interesting paradox, I think I'm using that word correctly, paradox in this like um, giving, this being of service and that kind of becoming um, our uh, identity, if you will, mm-hmm. is that sometimes with all good intention, what actually ends up happening is that we are not actually in service because like you said, I'm actually not doing, feels like I'm not doing anything great because I'm almost doing everything mediocre because I can barely keep my head above water. Right. Um, and so we get ourselves into this trap where it's like, well, I have to give, I have to give, I have to give. And then eventually we're actually not really living up to what we know we can give. Um, so we're actually almost like shooting ourselves in the foot in the way, um, which is funny because it's like, but I just want to give, you know? Um, so I want to know, because you said that you're feeling really burnt out. Like you're in a place now where you're super aware mm-hmm. that you're doing too much. You're very aware that you can't say no, right? It sounds like this is all very clear. Do you know a time or do you feel like you remember a time when you didn't feel burnt out or when you felt like, okay, this is all manageable. I'm giving and I'm also 
getting, like I'm taking care of myself as well as taking care of other people. Like things felt kind of congruent. Is there a time that you remember that that was the case? Yeah, actually probably earlier this year when, um, it was like three months into me starting this business and I had one client, um, I was just about to get involved, uh, with church and, um, I think that was pretty much all that was on my plate. I wasn't dating at the time. I was doing more yoga, more self-care, more baths, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all the things I loved. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I felt like everything was in control <laughs> mm-hmm. or manageable. Mm-hmm. manageable. And what happened? Uh, I guess it's, one of those things, the grass is always greener on the other side. I wanted more and more and more. Um, so I wanted more clients. I wanted, um, to help people in other ways. Um, especially with this crisis care coaching, because my family has suffered from depression. So I wanted to be of service in that way. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to start dating again. I felt like I was at a place where I could do that. Um, yeah, I just wanted more. So I sought it out. Mm-hmm. And in that bringing on more, it sounds like the kind of first bucket that, that went was the self-care. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like uh, from going to doing yoga every day and meditation every day, I am probably doing it once a week now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm seeing like real ways that, um, me being drained or feeling burnt out is manifesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the sleep patterns, the way I eat all of these things. Um, so that's why I feel like this awareness is so real right now, because I know if I don't make a change, I'm not going in a good direction. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Erica, the thing that always comes up for me around more and listen, like we're never going to have balanced lives there. There's going to be a thing where we always feel like we're juggling to a certain extent. And (laughs) what I always say to clients is you're not allowed to keep adding more unless you're taking something off. Right. So if I'm the way I use that same in my closet, I've started to use that same thing, right? Like you can buy more, but you got to get rid of something when you bring something in. (laughs) That's it. It's literally the closet analogy. Like you can't keep adding if we're not taking something off. So if I'm going to keep adding more to my plate, it's going to get deeply out of balance if I don't do some things to sort of take stuff off the other end. And so I just love to identify where can I start to take something off before I add something else on, right? Um, we can't just keep in the space of adding. <laughs> and by the way, to go back to the col- the closet analogy, when I take something out, I still have an emotional attachment to that thing that I'm taking out. I don't, she do does, I, don't. I, don't, I don't do it willy <laughs> nilly, right? Like here's the thing, the reality of what Danae is saying is that most likely, this might not be the case for everything, but most likely you're going to feel some feelings around getting rid of some of these things on your list. Totally. That's going to be the hard work because the hard work is going to be around you sitting with the guilt or the, I can't handle it all. Like I'm not enough. Like I should be able to do X, Y, and Z, the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and all the fun things that we tell ourselves. And the work for you is going to be in that it's going to be in the, like, these are going to come up and I'm going to really have to sit Mm -hmm. with this stuff. And 
I'm not going to allow myself to hide from these feelings by putting something back on my plate. Because that's really what this is. The yeah. continuing to put stuff on your plate and go and go and go and go. Mm -hmm. All we're doing is hiding from feeling that stuff that comes up when we start to prioritize ourselves, when we start to take things off our plate. And listen, I do think reality, there's a cultural component to this. There's a little bit of a patriarchal component to this when it comes to like women should just be doing, 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 always giving, 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 like be for everybody else and not for yourself. And if you be for yourself, you are selfish and you know, you are not worthy and all of these like ridiculous things that we could kind of ingrained into us. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, truly, it's not just a saying I live by this whole, you can't pour from an empty cup. And also it, it gets so much bigger than that. Like I said earlier, it's like, you're actually doing a disservice a lot of times when you have so much on your plate, you're not helping other people. A lot of times you're hurting because you're not able to show up at your best in your full capacity. Um, well, yeah. and yeah. the other element of, of hurting and where I always like to push back on selfishness is where am I robbing other people of their own sense of empowerment? Where am I robbing other yeah. people of their ability to stand up and care for themselves where I'm doing a little bit too much caretaking? And I promise you, if you really look like step back and look at your plate, there are ways that you could be supporting some of these people in stepping into their own power in ways that maybe you aren't by doing things for them. Mm, that is true. I feel like uh, it's funny. I am someone also that needs to listen to my own advice because I just told a new friend yesterday, um, you know, you can't fill others cups if your cup is empty. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I need to keep saying that so that I can hear it and kind of follow my own advice. Um, yeah, I guess the thing that came up last night for me around fear of abandonment was um, watching Modern Love, the new season. Um, so good. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this. Only four in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the last episodes, um, the character she has breast cancer and there was just a moment where um she was in her second round of chemo and her daughter kind of like brushed her cheek um, and it just immediately reminded me of me in the room with my mom in hospice um, on her last night um and i guess i have some work to do around grief as well and just feeling the hurt um or feeling loss because during that time when she passed, I was the one planning the funeral, getting the eulogy written, like getting the headstone, inviting all the family from here in Mexico all over um, to be present. And I didn't take that time to grieve until five or six years later, um, but there's probably still more work to do there because loss is something that's very hard for me to take. Well, and I think there's a connection here, right? I don't think we'd be talking about these two what seem like maybe separate topics in the same conversation if they weren't connected in some way, which is what are we not allowing ourselves to feel by keeping ourselves so busy that we have no time to feel. Exactly. Right. And, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about how her role in her family as the over-functioner is that when things get crazy and she gets anxious, she steps in and says, okay, we got to do this. We got to do that. I'm going to organize this. I'm going to call this person, right? Like that is how she manages not only her internal anxiety, but also the anxiety of the people around her, mm -hmm. you know, and it serves a purpose and it's great. And there's two things that are falling out from that one. You're not allowing yourself to feel and two, you're not allowing other people to feel. Mm -hmm.
that hurts hearing that, not, not allowing anyone to feel, um, cause we're all entitled to our feelings. Mm-hmm. So you too. P.S. Yes. So true. <laughs> so true. You know, and grief is cyclical. Like again, it's like the logical knowing we know this stuff. We know that grief is not linear. We know that it comes in waves. We know that it's up and down and back and forth, left and right. Right. And the reason why I think now that it's coming back around to this, I'm realizing like in asking you, where was that time or that place where you felt, you know, where you weren't burnt out, where you felt a little bit more congruency in your life. Um, you might've been in an okay place at that time. And that, and that's, that's normal. Right. Um, and the thing that's interesting about these practices, yoga, meditation, bubble baths, all the things that you were saying, they're great tools and they feel awesome when we feel awesome. And when we don't feel awesome, sometimes they don't actually feel so awesome. Uh, and I will say there is an unconscious tendency for a lot of people to start to let go of some of their self-care and their ritual and their tools when they don't feel so awesome, because sometimes they actually can be painful because they help us sit in the stuff and they help us feel the stuff. Um, so bigger picture, they're helpful, but in the moment they don't feel so helpful. So a lot of times unconsciously, we kind of let the things just slide and we start to do things that will maybe numb that, which is like caregiving, for example, right? It's like we replace one thing with another because this is going to help me numb. This is actually not going to help me numb. The yoga and the meditation are actually going to make me sit in it. I don't want to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And so again, challenging you to say, you know, full cup, empty cup, how can you help other people? It's like what Danae was saying about taking things off your plate potentially bringing on some of these practices that you do know are really helpful and beneficial to you with a knowing that there's some feelings to be felt. And this self-care is probably going to bring those feelings up to the surface. And, and can we take a breath and lean into that? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a good thing for me to practice. And now that you're talking about the caregiving, I feel like last year I noticed, I don't think it was an addiction, but I definitely had problems with drinking. Um, and I went from that to self-care and now I'm back to this addiction of kind of caregiving. (laughs) So I'm just going from one cycle to another of, um, avoiding what comes up and not allowing myself to feel right. Taking the edge off. Yeah. And you know, what V is speaking to when she says taking the edge off a lot of times is like, we need some sort of release valve so that we don't have to feel the things that are scary to feel. And I think that that sometimes is what the adding more is about, right? Like that is the way it's like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do my self-care. I've just, I've, I have so much on my plate right now. And it's like, well, yes. And right. Um, some of this is a little, I think there's something powerful in knowing that, our healing is going to get a lot more uncomfortable before we find some peace. You know, I think that is always true of therapy, knowing that there is going to be a point where we feel deeply resistant to staying in the discomfort and knowing that sort of, um, sort of, sort of, um, offensively being in that awareness that like, yeah, this is, this is going to have points where I'm going to be doing the yoga. I'm going to be in meditation and I'm going to be deeply resistant to staying in this discomfort, sometimes I'm able to stay when I want to do the alternate action, when I want to add some more, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I guess I have a question for both of you about, um, are there any practical 
kind of ways or tangible ways in which I can sit in the stuff. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a lot um, or some that I may have done, but I'm forgetting, but I feel like I'm, I operate better when I know how to do something physical or um, very tangible for me to, to kind of process what's going up going on in my life. The first thing I will say is it's going to be really hard to do that if you're in a state of burnout. Mm -hmm. So, so long as you keep yourself in a state of burnout, it's going to be really hard to tap into what's underneath because you're going to be in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And when you're in survival mode, that's all your system's going to be able to feel and do. Mm -hmm. So I think if you really want to talk practical, the hard practical work is going to be saying no and taking a couple of things off your plate. Yeah. Agreed. That's yeah. practical, actually. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that actually is the practice. Because if we know that that's the thing right now that's taking the edge off, then the first thing we need to do is put a cap on that bottle mm -hmm. and put it back on the shelf. Yeah. It would be like if you were telling us that drinking were the primary issue, we would have to take away the drinking before we could even start to get to the feelings that are underneath. Because the drinking isn't actually the problem. It's just sort of like the solution or like the thing that I'm using to not feel the uncomfortable feelings. So what, what I hear you saying, V, and I think you're right, is like we got to start to like peel back a little bit on all the things we're doing before we can even get to like, and how do I stay in these feelings? Because you're too distracted to feel them. And here's what'll come up immediately saying no is going to make you uncomfortable. Thinking about letting things go and letting people down is going to make you uncomfortable. Well, there you go. Here mm -hmm. it comes. Are you ready? That's exactly it. When you're talking about practical things to bring up and sit in the feelings yeah. that it's going to happen pretty quickly. Right. And I, and I think because you do have this practice that you had already really relied on and, and used in a lot of ways, um, I think practically step one is to go back to those practices. But again, I don't know that you can't, it's like this balancing act. It's like, mm -hmm. you got to let go of a couple things and then put those things back on as your way to sit in, as your way to allow this stuff to come up and not mm -hmm. um, kind of run. Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep running. I just want to sit still for a moment, mm -hmm. not well, a moment, a day or <laughs> a month. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, I have to tell you though, the fact that you even want to yes. means that it's time. It means that you're really ready for it. Cause I think a lot of people aren't at that place, right? They don't actually want to sit still. Mm. And so it, it sounds like even in that sentence, even the way you said it, it's like, oh, there's like a, there's a desire there, you know, yeah. there's a deep breath in the actual sadness. There's a deep breath actually in feeling the grief and in feeling the discomfort. There is a deep breath in that. You know, when we're always running and hiding, it's like you imagine it kind of as like this clenched, tightened, you know, throat closed off, like again, panic, stress, uh, survival. That's not where the deep breath is. The deep breath actually is the. Yeah. And I find that one of the most nurturing ways we can love ourselves tangibly is allowing ourselves to nap, to rest, to not. Oh, naps. Oh my gosh. But just like when I'm tired, rest, like it makes me emotional thinking about it because we fight against allowing ourselves to rest so much. It's like, we are so conditioned to like, no, but you need to be productive. There's something you could be doing for, oh my gosh. Just like doing the alternate action of like, no, I'm tired and I will honor myself enough to allow myself to rest mm -hmm. is such a powerful choice. Truly. That's so great. Cause I, I did that last night. I fought my sleep. Mm -hmm. I was 
like, oh, I have to get this done and this done and this done. And, and this morning I woke up and I was like, you've got to take a nap today. Hmm. My body needs it. Yeah. Oh, Erica, you're there. You're ready. Yeah. I'm so ready. You can hear the hunger for it mm-hmm. in your voice. Give yourself that, please. Yeah. Will you do us a favor and just send us a note? Let us know how you're doing. Keep us kind of updated on, on what comes up for you over the next couple of months. Maybe we'll even have you on and give us an update. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate you bringing this to us today. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm like breathing into the space of you napping because it feels really good <laughs> even on this side <laughs> to feel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I appreciate you listening. Yeah. Oh, so much. Take care, love. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. I just wanted to hug her so bad. <laughs> I wanted to hug her so bad, and I saw so much of myself in her that I was like, "Oh, girl, I feel you so deeply." <laughs> yeah, I heard a lot of. <laughs> I kept thinking that too. That she reminds me a lot of you. Yeah, just this like, you know, the needing to be needed, like the mm. seeing myself and my value as a person in how much I'm able to do um, for others or just accomplish or put out in the world. Um, and really never allowing the time to like, never allowing yourself to slow down long Mm -hmm. enough to feel the feelings that might be just lurking around the corner. Um, and I think that's a cultural thing, right? We just keep ourselves so busy so that we don't have to sit with reality and, and sit with the pain that is part of that reality. Yeah. You know, I was thinking too, and and maybe some of this is like you as a young mama, I was thinking of like you and just like how much I can see, like sometimes you fighting against the rest, fighting against the just like, let me just let go and just like, and then I do is take a nap y'all right now. And I'm like, baby rest. But I think that's, that's, that is true of all of us. That is so much like of our cultural conditioning that like, nope, got to be productive. There's something you could be doing. Someone needs something from you. And Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. And, um, you know, when she said, give me like, can you give me some tangible tools? I was like, (laughs) yes, my love, you are, we've already talked about them (laughs) and you're not going to like them, but (laughs) tangible tools are just to slow the fuck down. (laughs) That's it. Stop doing what you're doing. You're not going to like it, but yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's also hard to hear. Um, is that, you know, how do I get through this? Well, you get through it by by doing the thing, you know, there's no other way to like get around it. You just gotta do the thing, like say no or let go of stuff or whatever it is that you're trying to avoid. And that is the quote unquote work, you know? Yeah. That's that, you know, the only way through the pain, the only way out of the pain is through the pain. Right. Mm Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.